welcome to episode 248 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how are you doing? I'm really loving these uh, Friday afternoon chats that we're having here. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. I've, I've decided that's the per- that this is the perfect time. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. I feel like Friday afternoon is probably my least productive time in the week. You know, once it hits about three o'clock on Friday, I'm sort of mentally checking out. Even if I don't want to check out, I, I, I find myself checking my email, checking Hacker News, just kind of, I don't know, just, just not really getting a lot done. So might as well do a podcast, right? No, but I, and you're getting, you know, you're getting ready kind of mentally for the weekend. I mean, I also feel that um, because I guess pretty soon George is going to come home and then we're going to go out to dinner or whatever. So my next piece of major work is going to happen tomorrow. Like what well, I, I usually work on Saturday in the first half of the day and Sunday, the first half of the day. And it, that's the, another reason why I really didn't like doing the podcast on the Saturday morning because I, I want to work then, you know? Right. So, but but also the other thing is, like, I can just think better and talk better on on a Friday afternoon because I've because I've had the day to kind of engage my brain, you know. Whereas first thing nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, it's like, uh, what, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely yeah. This is this is really good. This is the way to go. Yeah, and I um, I don't. The time of the day doesn't bother me so much, but I, you know, that that's the way I felt about doing it during the week earlier in the week you you had suggested why don't we do it a tuesday morning or yeah. something like that and you know th- that is when i am really getting the most worked on is is in the weekday mornings from like you know eight thirty to 1 and so to take a big two-hour chunk out of my morning and not get any work done would it would be feel sort of would be frustrating but it also feel like that yeah. I'm being irresponsible yeah that's, that's, that's what yeah. I and I don't want to Saturdays. feel like I'm being irresponsible. But now Friday afternoons, three o'clock, it's three thirty. Ah, you know, it's 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 basically done. I'm not getting much done anyway, you know. And then then also forces me the first part of the set Friday to really crank, right? Knowing that I'm checking out. Oh yeah, at okay. Three thirty means I got to get all my stuff done, which is a good feeling. And I did today, which is <coughs> so. Well, we got a donation from um, Ben Boiter. Gave us ten bucks. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Get, ben. Get, that definitely gets a shout out. <laughs> so, uh, now I was getting some emails from the PayPal that's in your name, and it was like we couldn't accept donations for some weird reason. Someone else had donated some money, and I kept getting repeated emails. Oh, to, in my name, my PayPal. Well, because the the account was in your is in. Your oh, name. oh, but it's the texting account. I guess so. Yeah. What was going on? Don't know. I didn't see it. Oh, really? I yeah. just assumed that you would saw you'd seen no, it. I, I didn't see it. You know what? The reason why I didn't see it, I'll tell you why. Because when, when Plugio uh, payment emails come through or cancellation emails, there's so many. <laughs> well, not so many, but there's a lot, you know, like, I don't know, five a day or something like that. I just kind of unlabel it and like un- view it as red. So I've got a record of it, but it doesn't kind of bug me. Of what what kind of, of PayPal payments? Yeah, PayPal payments. So anything that comes in from PayPal, you're not looking at? Pretty much. So that's why you didn't see it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if that's such a good policy. <laughs> that probably isn't a good policy because I, I find myself logging into PayPal and there'll be like one payment dispute, you know, unresolved. And I, I, it's like two weeks old and I have to go and log in and refund a customer like nine bucks or something. Right. That's yeah. also like, I don't understand. Why do people sign up for a service? And this, this doesn't happen very often, but maybe once every couple of months, right? They sign up for a service and then, and then they just, rather than kind of contacting you via the email, they just go back to PayPal and they just kind of submit uh, PayPal and say, they didn't give me what they said they were going to give me. I want the money back kind of thing. So then it goes through this whole big PayPal dispute 
system, which is a pain. Right. Like it would have been easier to just give them the money back if they'd have asked. I'd go, okay, sure, yeah. But now we've got to go through this dispute resolution system. I say this, they say that, I say this. Okay, now they can get the money back. Bloody hell. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of how uh, getting lawyers involved in a situation make things more complicated and expensive. It's like, let's just work it out. Yeah, let's right? just Anytime work you it get out. lawyers involved, it turns <laughs> into a nightmare. Yeah. Formal dispute processes are just annoying at any level. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I got a lot of things. I think I got a lot of things to talk about today. Um, Great. So, one thing I've been, I, I was sort of meaning, I guess I've been meaning to talk about it for a month, but of course, since we haven't done a lot of shows, I don't have a chance, a chance to talk about it, but... So a really good friend of mine, uh, um, his name's Jack. Actually, his name is João. He's Brazilian. But, oh wow! And we call him Jack because nobody can say João. João is difficult. It's spelled J O A O. Even I can't say that. João. João. Jo- oh, oh, there's no N. It's no, just, there's no N on it. But jo- you have this sort of rounded N when you, at the end of the after the O. Wow. We. João. So, so he. Um, <laughs> we've been playing on a soccer team. He's been playing on my soccer team oh, okay. since 2001. Yeah. And. He's our. Uh, he's an amazing soccer player. He actually played um, first division down in Brazil. Scored in front, uh, on Palmeiras in front of ninety thousand people. Like that's that's the level player we're talking about. So he's. A, I don't know who that guy is, but that's, that's that's probably impressive. If you're if you're scoring a goal in front of ninety thousand people, yeah, <laughs> you're good at what you do. I mean, we forecast to two thousand people. Yeah, so, so it's like a lot more than that. So he he, he was our token Brazilian uh striker nice right? okay. and he's also a good friend of mine and um so jack um he he came to the u.s like I, I think i met him like a couple months after he got here and because we were we were desperately trying to build up our team and a friend of mine says hey i got he's like i got a ringer man i found a guy to score guy scores two three goals a game he's played some other league somewhere on his other on this uh, team with another friend of mine and so I brought him out and actually I remember we were communicating on the phone and we really couldn't communicate because he couldn't speak English it was one of those really awkward kind of things so he comes out and uh, you know later he told me the story so he came to the US with $200 in his pocket that's it didn't speak English didn't know anybody and he ends up through like a Distant friend of a friend, you know, he ends up getting a job as a busboy at some Brazilian restaurant on the other side of the city. And he's living in a garage apartment. And he slowly works his way up. And and after a couple years, he's um, he's managing a, uh, a cigar bar, which is re- a really popular cigar bar uh, in nearby Alhambra. And over the years, he builds up another side business, and he he's one of those guys who are amazing at managing money. They just save up like they save like a third or half of everything they make. Wow! I mean, it's like so my buddy Mark, who uh, who you've met, and you know, you know, like me, Mark had I guess we say a privileged upbringing. You know, I went to good schools, graduated from Harvard, worked as a major, consultant, you know, that kind of stuff. And we're like at Jack, and he's like he's got more money in the bank than us, and we're like. Dude, we should be embarrassed, right? He just showed up with $200 in his pocket. That's pretty cool. And like, look where he's at, you know? And, and I don't just mean money-wise. I mean, he had, you know, he brought his uh, he, he brought his girlfriend and wife over from Brazil. But I mean, that's the American and, dream, right? I mean, but isn't that also a motivator? I mean, you, you're probably more motivated if you turn up with $200 than, yeah, than I mean, you guys I, I who kind most, of had it made. Most people obviously don't. It's the American dream, meaning that it's not necessarily the American reality. Right, yeah. pulled off, right? I mean, he pulled it off. And, you know, um, 
But so what ended up happening, he um, he decided, you know, he saved up a lot of money and he's like, you know, I'm not going to open my own restaurant bar. Mm. More like a more like a bar which had like finger foods. You know, he yeah. he he was amazing at operations. Like, in a, like he could squeeze out every time. Like you have to stack the 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 the, uh, the glasses this way. This is how you do the chairs. Like everything. Huh. He built out this incredibly elaborate uh, Excel spreadsheet. It was probably the most elaborate Excel spreadsheet I've ever seen that tracked all the inventory for all of the alcohol. So he would he would know exactly like how many pours you'd get from each bottle based on what drinks were sold and da da da. So you could find everybody was che- cheating and stealing money. Which happens a lot in bars, and know exactly when stuff needed to be ordered. Or not it was unbelievable, and you know he he wasn't a developer or anything like that. And he just you know we'd talk about it sometimes when we'd, we'd go out and kick soccer ball around. He's like, let me tell you, let me show you my latest thing. Or talk about, <laughs> right? Cool. So anyway, um, he ended up opening. He ended up going in with another business, a couple of business partners, and they opened this um, Brazilian bar restaurant called a Boteca, which is modeled after like a Brazilian style uh these uh, kind of bar finger food places and beautiful place awesome finger foods amazing but the his, his partners were he actually he's supposed to have some silent partners supposedly silent partners that were brought in by his other active partner and they turned out not to be silent at all mm. and being very very involved and having a lot of very bad ideas about how a restaurant or bar should be run even though they had, they had no experience at it and he could not get the thing, the the place to work the way it needed to be worked was going to be profitable, and it was one of these things that just it was like a two year just process of just burning out all his time. So he was successful completely up until up until this point in everything he'd kind of turned his mind to. He put almost all his money in. He put all his money then some, and but then because of hundreds of thousands of of dollars because he invested. You know, hundreds but what about what about the one thing about you know if he was truly successful he wouldn't have got the partners in the first place. Where, where, so one thing, where are you getting that from? No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, why, why would you need, is it just that he, well, because, yeah, because opening a bar like that by, you know, the leasing the space and building it out would cost like, it was more money than he had in his savings. Oh, it cost like $700,000 or a million dollars. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, you could be successful, save a lot of money, but um, saving that kind of money, give me a break. So you really need, you really do need silent and like just, just regular investors. You need investors, you need partners. I mean, yeah, to build something up. So you know, the, it, what up happening is he worked as a manager. He didn't pay himself for a year and a half. He was the only one there from like morning to night managing the stuff and trying to get this place to work. And so he ended up not making money for two years and losing all his money and losing his investment. Mm. And it was one of these just awful situations because, um, you know, I, Mark, Mark and I, who Mark's also on the soccer team and friend of mine and another kind of entrepreneur. And we would, we were always amazed at how successful he was and how we were always sort of, very impressed with his discipline and, and work ethic and, and, and general savvy. And so to watch this happen, and despite his best efforts, despite the fact that he, he, he knew this business, like he, he had run a, he had managed two bars and a restaurant in the same block. So the moral. He knew exactly how this business should work. What's the moral of the story? Well, okay, well, I'm, I'm getting to it. So, so we see this, this happen. And so he just goes down. And, and so he, he tells me, he's like, you know, he's like, I kind of went into a bit of a depression, you know, like everything, I lost everything and of course that creates just you know a lot of self-doubt like yeah. i've lost all of self-doubt. my money yeah i've lost a couple years of my time everything mm-hmm. and, and i couldn't get the other partners to 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 do the things it needed to do to make this work and so then he's trying to figure out like well what you know what do i do what a new plan and he you know he had you know was doing had, he had tried a couple other things or was doing a couple of things just to pay the bills 
And it turned out that a friend of his who works for some larger company guys pretty high up, and he said, listen, you know, if you, if you can learn SQL, that we might be able to hire you <laughs> and this, right, <laughs> this stuff, and, you know, and actually getting a decent paying job, right? Yeah. And so he's like, do you think I could do that? I'm like, hell yeah, you could do it. I'm like, I saw that Excel spreadsheet, dude. <laughs> like, if you, can, <laughs> if you can write an Excel spreadsheet, that's sophisticated. You can learn SQL. And so I don't think about that long ago, maybe it was six weeks or two months ago at this point, I sent him an email that with some like, you know, SQL for dummies, introduction to, you know, uh, what's that, like Net, Netus, Nets Plus or Nettuts, that yeah. place that has like less tutorials, like introduction to relational databases. And then I said, once you get past these few things, SQL Zoo has a bunch of really great tutorials. So he started working through it and doing like, he went, I think he did some, what was it, some Udemy or... Yeah, there's Udemy and Udacity. Udemy and not Udacity. He didn't do Udacity, but he did a bunch of, um, he did a couple of Udemy courses and he did some, he did a bunch of stuff uh, that he found on on um, <coughs> on uh, YouTube. Anyway, he is doing unbelievable. Like the queries he's doing, I'm like, dude, I have no idea how to do that. Like, <laughs> that's like, like, so I said, look, do, do MySQL and SQL Server. Because he said that at that company, they do a little bit of both. I'm like, do both. And first of all, you'll see that they're fairly similar. But also, it'll get in your head that not to be intimidated, like, oh, I only know MySQL. I don't really mm-hmm. know this other thing. You'll see, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. And then even uh, the other week, yeah, last week, I invited him over. I was doing a project and was um, it was using Postgres. And I said, why don't you come over with me and we'll kind of work and we'll, we'll design the tables and we'll write some queries in Postgres. And you can kind of see pretty much the same thing other little commands will kind of work through it a little bit together. And so we did anyway, it's just show like, so he's 42, <laughs> never written code before in his life, but it's just amazing how much you can do now with the resources online. If you're, if you have the discipline and the desire to do it. Yeah. And the right mind, you know, the right, or do you think everyone has the right mind? No, no. I, it's like, I don't think everyone can play music while well, you've heard me tell the show. I think, yeah, that, yeah. I think there is, that sort of uh, normal distribution curve, right? And then you know, there's certain types of people who have a natural ability. They're of they're they're that type of person, right? Certain people are athletic. Some people are musical. Some people are quantitative. It's a, it's a great story of Christmas hope. I think <laughs> I really like it. Well, so he's like he's he's really had you know he. But but also is is there another moral for the story, which is basically, you know, don't bring on board partners who don't know about the business you're doing. Uh, no, I, I really don't think he made a mistake. I mean, uh, you know, the, his partner was was his previous boss that he'd worked for for years. Yeah. He was a real reasonable guy, and they'd been very successful. And the guy had just been like, yeah, I have these guys uh, that I know. They're, they'll be silent partners, and we can raise the additional money we need. And, and he's like, it'll be good, and I'll tell them. So that, it was just he, unlucky. But he made promises to them that he didn't tell Jack. Okay. Right? And so what are you going to do? I mean, look, not everything in life is under your control. You can't. The world is not a deterministic place. You can stack the odds in your favor. You can do the right things. And sometimes things just don't go your way. Sometimes you get sick. Sometimes you get in a car accident. Sometimes you get business with somebody who doesn't do the things they say they're going to do or do, do things that are against your best. I don't know, whatever. I mean, it just happens. So you can't, you know, that's why when people are successful, a lot of times if they're really honest, they'll say, yeah, you know, I worked hard and I made some good decisions. But also got lucky, and even if it wasn't yeah. even if it wasn't that I got lucky in that you know I made this anchor sale at just the right time, or I just hid the right time because a couple months before this happened and a couple months before that happened, 
or you could be lucky in the fact that you didn't get unlucky, yeah. right? You ended up getting a partner who turned out to be productive, to do what to, to do what they say they were going to do, to to not work for three months and then take a job somewhere else, or to whatever, right? Or to disappear. I mean, you know, you've, you've heard a million times. There's a million ways that things can go sideways on you, and you're kind of lucky if those things don't happen. Mm, that's you know? true. That's lucky in its own right. Okay, so basically. There's from from his perspective, there's no there's there's no. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong here, right? Which is fine. Well, I think he. I mean, he's always shakes his head. It's like ah, you know, maybe this. He's he's like searching for an answer. And I looked. I'm like, I would not blame yourself. I mean, I know the story. Well, because the the, the other guy brought the people in, but at the same time, it there still is a little bit of a moral of like when other people come in, who even whether you know they're going to be good or not, like I don't know. Just it, it, there's always a degree of uncertainty when yeah, you bring stuff when, in. when you bring people in, yeah, but. That's kind of life, you know? I mean, there's not a lot of things in this world that you can do all by yourself. A lot of times you have to bring other people in. Whether you do a lot of things all by yourself. I try. <laughs> it's because I'm a control freak, I guess. You've got a lot of secret projects. Yeah, that's true. And Did we, you see the, the one comment that, I can't remember who made the comment, but it was like, Jason said he was going to re- reveal his secret project, but he didn't. He just revealed that he had 10 other secret projects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the secret project, that there are seven secret projects. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But yeah, um, but I will say, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've, I've definitely had my share of, of, of bad experiences with people who just, you know. Um, people suck. Well, Some can. people, anyway. And, and a lot of times it's like, you you, you you just can't tell by talking to them you know they talk they 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 talk a good game um they're friendly or they're responsive or they have the right they're in, or, you know they're energetic enthusiastic um likable they have the right pedigree whatever and then all of a sudden situation changes in a certain way and things go sideways and you just couldn't predict it and it's, it's almost like, like there should be like a social a social rule like a handshake right but it's instead of being a handshake, it's like it's socially accepted that we're going to like date as friends for two weeks just to see if, if things are going to work out or just some kind of social rule to really suss people out. Well, yeah, I, and I've, I've talked talk about this. I, I call it the minimum viable partnership. Oh, the MVP. Right. The MVP. Right. right. So I think I mentioned the show a couple of times, but, you know, even with, um, you know, we've, we brought Dave on to, to do marketing, growth hacking for. Anything, right? Yep. And, you know, I wrote up a one-page letter of agreement. I mean, I, I did a little research. I looked at some, you know, st- what does a standard letter of agreement look like? What, what, what do we need to talk about in there? You know, but, uh, and I, I thought it, in what I wrote up, I thought captured the essence of what the agreement was. You know, did I go to a lawyer and spend thousands of dollars and a lot of time? No, because it, it didn't, it wasn't worth it to me to do that. And, but it was like, what was the minimum viable legal contract based on what we have at risk here? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what, what's the, you know, what, what kind of a relationship can we create with Dave so that both for Dave and for us, we have a, a very solid, clear understanding of what the relationship is, but also that if things don't work out, no one's going to be taken advantage or whatever. And if things do work out, no one's going to take advantage of that. They're, it's fair. And I don't know. I've, I've, I remember was, remember I was helping. Um, I mentioned her name Lola with uh, that uh, little startup Meekroot a while back, mm. and she was, she was like, "Well, I guess I should. We should get a contract and this and that." And I said, "You know, what? don't even worry about it. Like, let's just, 
you know, there was, no, there was gets, definitely no point. Yeah. You know, well, at the time you don't know, right. Mm-hmm. When you first start talking about it and, and, and she's sending me, well, here's this account information and here's the, how you can the server. Well, it's and, like also with like, with, with Sebastian, the work that I did with that, like we, we had drawn up a, a company, you know, we created a company and just now we d- we've dissolved that company and it's like, we probably didn't need to, to, to do that. You know, we didn't need to get a whole company done. Yeah, I mean, you could usually wait on that a little bit, that's for sure. A lot of times we get ahead of ourselves, we get so excited and you want to formalize things. But yeah, so even Lola, I said, let's just do some minimal viable partnership. Like, let's not even worry about it because if this thing doesn't get off the ground, there's no point in getting your investor involved and writing up a contract about equity on stuff. It's just like, you know, let's just see if we get something launched. And as we saw, nothing happened, Mm -hmm. right? You know, um, she ended up having to get a job somewhere and, uh, you know, that's that right mm, um, yeah. but you know and had we got all this effort um it happens a lot yeah you know and sometimes it's not the fault of the other person it's not that they were um unreliable or that they were they did something wrong it's just that their life changes like for lola she's a single mom she ran out of money yeah. i mean what, what am i gonna say i mean like i mean that's <coughs> and i was aware of that situation you know, I mean, I, you know, yeah. So that's a risk factor straight away. Yeah. But, you know, and so I was like, well, you know, we'll, we'll see how things go and you may end up having to get a job. So, you know, but uh, anyway, the one thing I want to say about Jack and the whole sequel thing, is just, I'm just amazed. He just sent me this. Um, he just sent me, I'm going to show you right now. Here's a, here's this question. He said it was, ta- it was uh, go- um, stuck on this really difficult. Um, uh, it's like one of the hard questions from uh, SQL Zoo, which, by the way, he recommends. It is unbelievable hmm. for learning SQL because it's just super hard. Here's his here's his question. Here's what he wrote up. You can see how complex it is already. That's that's it. I mean, that's real. That's real SQL. He's that's hardcore right there. Yeah, yeah, that's legit. Nice. And it, but hold on, just, just still looking at it. Multiple. So he's doing sub. There's there's three. There's three. There's two subselects in a main select. Interesting. I mean, but see, of course, one thing that um, that I guess it's going to be difficult for someone to understand is optimizing queries as well. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like how how do you begin to learn that until you start running it on big data sets and you see that it takes wow, this is taking two minutes to come back, and then you've got to think about explaining and optimization and all that stuff. I know he's not at that level yet. That's very good. But the the query immediately made, made me think. Oh, I'd optimize that in this way or this way, you know. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's the next step. <coughs> um, so I've been telling him, I'm like, you know, if you if you get a job at this place, I said, now I think you're going to be overqualified because I think you're such familiar with SQL. Now he's turning himself to be very competent. Oh, wow. SQL. And I'm like, you're kind of getting starting to get beyond me, you know. Like I, I mean, the questions you have, for, I couldn't answer. I mean, I would have to struggle with it just like you. Um, and so I'm like, well, in the next, I was like, you know, if you take a job, maybe try and get a job in their SQL group. And meanwhile, I would start learning Python. I'm like, because all of a sudden, when you just do SQL and you can't program at all, it like you hit a certain brick wall because you can't work outside however the data is in the database. But if you can write in a programming language, you can interact, you can take that data and you can put it out in the world or take data from the world and put it into the database or whatever. And so I'm like, I think Python is like, a, would be the one of the best languages to learn on, especially for a backend language. Plus it has that kind of cachet. You know, if you know Python, it's it's you know you look like you're you're uh, you're kind of serious. Is that what Chris from Catalyst? Yeah, Chris from Catalyst works on that. 
Yeah, he's a so Chris is an astrophysicist at the Carnegie Institute, and he does all his number crunching. You know, for the, he studies uh, supernovas, I think. Yeah, and yeah, they does all Python. Mm. But uh, anyway, we'll see how it goes. That's an interesting store. At least I'm like in the background now, so we'll hear. We'll see how it goes over the next. You know. Yeah, I'd like to keep track of it. It sounds like he's gonna. It sounds like he's gonna. It's. I'm gonna call that. The, the Christmas story of 2013. This is like, it's like McScrooge makes good, except yeah. he was never McScrooge. No, he just, it was, he it just, was, it was like the, uh, I don't know. Well, I, one thing I told, I said to him, I said, you know, it, it said, I know you went through this really hard stage, but it may turn out two, two years from now, you look up and it's like the best thing happened to you because you, it might end up making a lot more money yeah. doing this and you have a way better lifestyle. I mean, when you're running a bar restaurant. Oh, it's you, like 20. I mean, wow. That is really hardcore. Yeah. I, and, I know my mom used to own a restaurant. Yeah, and he has he has two he has two kids that are you know like the age of my kids and and uh, you know it's like you know well that's an interesting uh, like n- now you talk about like the the lifestyle of coders how many how many kind of working hours do you think the average coder gets per day like just just I mean just generally speaking like Uber developers other developers like how much how much time are you in the zone actually programming getting stuff done. No, I think it's probably between, I think it's in the range of, uh, three to six, depending three to six, you know, I mean, I, I think you usually go through a couple of, like you might get a few hours really hard in the morning and a few hours, if you had a six hours of really productive development, that's good. Yeah. I thought I mean, that really seems good. rare. To, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about like all the different jobs that I've been at, all the different programmers that I've seen in, in a company setting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to, for people to be in the zone for like four hours plus, I think is rare. It's just, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, is there another thing that happens is that when you get to a bigger group, it, there's a lot of, um, it's what I call it over the GitHub bureaucracy. Right. You know, there's so much like, well, I have this branch and a rebase on this and we do that. And it's like, ah, can like, are we writing code or are we doing all day is rebasing and, re- and removing conflicts and stuff. You know, which just happens because every, you know, it's like, it's a little bit frustrating. It's like the promise of things like GitHub is like, well, everybody can work on anything and we just merge it all together. Yes and no. Like if we really are working on the same stuff, we're constantly going to have conflicts and it's going to take a ton of time to sort out what we each of us did and how it impacts the other one. Right. So you, you almost kind of want to have people work on slightly different parts of the system. You know, I mean, I know people don't like to think that. It's like, oh, well, you know, GitHub is awesome and, you know, you, you know, run a diff on it and see all this stuff. It's like, yeah, but then you spend all your time dicking around with like the, you know, sorting out the merge conflicts. And and I don't know. I just find that stuff to be kind of a, a pain. But that's also my personality. You know, I'm, I'm a lone wolf. So whenever I have to deal with large groups of people all working on the same code base, it just sort of drives me insane. So, but that, but either way, it eats up a lot of time. I mean, I, I mentioned it because there was an interesting, um, thing that's in on hacker news um are your programmers working hard or are they lazy mm-hmm. did you see that one no but i i saw it i didn't read it but i knew you'd bring it up yeah i mean <laughs> well it's it's just it's it, it i mean i've you know mentioned this before it's like with programming it's just different to like that basically what the article says is he said there was two there was two teams working on a digital tv solution one was working on the analog and one was working on the digital the guys the guys who worked on the Anal- uh, I think it was the analog solution or the digital, whichever way around anyway, they were like, for whatever reason, it was some kind of legacy system. They were all working really hard. They were like staying there till 10. They were fixing loads of stuff. And they were just, there was just like 
always working, always at it, at it, because like they were fighting fires, they were working, they were fighting fires, they were working. And the other guys, the, the guy basically architected a really abstracted, really kind of um, abstracted system where every function was just really small and they they just didn't need to work as hard, right? Because basically the system was just better a better architecture. Yeah. So they, they were on top of the work and they only needed to work a few hours a day. In the meantime, when it comes to bonus time, the other team gets all the bonuses mm-hmm. because that, but even though they created a far inferior product. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of an interesting take, you know? Well, you know, it's like what uh, Spolsky's, Joel Spolsky wrote a big thing on that years ago, um, which talked about like whatever metric you're using to um, uh, reward programmers they're going to optimize for that. So if, if you're going to reward people on how many lines of code they wrote, they're going to write lots of lines of code, mm-hmm. which, as we know, is not always a good thing. Right. No, if definitely it's, not. If it's, if it's how many bugs you removed, well, what you're going to do is you're going to log a bunch of bugs and then knock them out. So, okay, this is a, so instead of just like knocking things out, you're going to spend all your time logging them and then making sure that you remove them, right? I mean, you're going to, you know, when, when you start talking about money, how people, how people change their behavior based on money, um, you know, you have to be very careful because they, because people do, it do change their behavior. And, uh, yeah, I'm just looking for that. I'm looking for that article. Yeah, well, wait. Let's, I want to take a note of it. Well, I'll, 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 I'll link to it. Don't okay, cool. It. Yeah. Don't worry, about it. Don't worry about it. You're breaking the flow, man. Stay in hey, the game. Hey, how does that break stay, the flow? Stay, <laughs> stay in the game. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think the, it's really, I think it's difficult for, technical people to evaluate other technical people sometimes unless they're really on top of the code they're building really taking a close look at it and it's it's and it's extremely difficult for non-technical people these mm-hmm. managers who are trying to figure out who did what and you know because there's all these other factors that can go into like why how fast features were rolled out or not that could be business related like we couldn't roll that feature because it depended on this API and we didn't close a deal or sign a contract with this other company so we couldn't get this through and that made these other things more complicated. Da, 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 da. You know, you could just come up with a million reasons. And, you know, the business manager or whatever is going to ha- not understand those things. And therefore, it's going to end up being kind of arbitrary. So what Spolsky ends up advising is, and, and what they follow with Fog Creek, which is his company, um, is they do not reward people bonuses or anything like that. They just pay purely on seniority. So the longer you're there, the more you, the more you, the more money you make. So the longer you're there. Yeah. Your seniority. So, so you just stick with the team. You see so you, so we just get a raise on a, you know, how many, uh, you know, every year, I guess you get a little bit of a raise or something. And I think they may have had something like, you know, we, we pay overall more bonus company wide based on how well they do, but that's all again, based on seniority. So it's just like, if you stick around and you're good enough to be here, then, you know, the longer you stay, the, the more money you make. You know? Yeah. Because nothing else they tried would work. Everything else was too gameable. And, and set up the wrong, and the incentive structure um, rewarded behavior that would be counterproductive. Mm. Or, polit- or or worse, it becomes political. And speaking of that, did you see that uh, Treehouse, Ryan Carson's company, that they've they removed all managers? They have like, what are they said? Like 80 people? Or Talk to me, t- tell me about that. So, Treehouse is another one of these like Code Academy, like learned code kind of companies and they charge money for it. And yeah. And, um, um, and I guess I, I can't remember. They're, this is going to be like a four or five part series. So this was just part one, but basically they just decided that, you know, the managers, uh, you know, were not 
I guess not. It wasn't working out very well. It was causing more problems. People were getting, you know, the, the typical things that happen with managers. What are the managers? Who are the managers managing? Like the coder, coders. coders. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what's up happening is that, you know, they're supposed to be de- dealing with keeping people on track and and resolving disputes and I don't know whatever. But they they'd figure out they're not going to do any. <laughs> they're not going to use managers at all. Like they had a they had a lot of back and forth and a big company wide debate and eventually they had a big vote on it and everybody voted we're going completely flat. No managers. Yeah, but if you have no managers, how do you keep track of tasks? Well, I mean, we'll see. It'd be interesting. It'd be kind of a, um, kind of a peer system. I mean, I don't think everything has to be command and control. I mean, I think you can do things without have somebody scheduling you and reviewing you. What happens if you've got you a sales do? team and and they like they say, okay, we need this thing built by this time so we can sell to this pro- this client? If you got well, may, you know, I mean, he's going to talk about the tools they use, but you know, maybe what off the cuff, let's say that we had. Um, the business people come in and say, look, here are the things that we would like to do with the business that we think are going to make the business successful. These, and they make a pitch for it, right? And if we add this feature, we do this, or we integrate with this product or whatever, then these, these things are good things to happen. And, you know, the, the coder, the developers can say, yeah, I'll do that. Or no, it just everyone thinks it sounds stupid. Nobody's going to do it, right? <laughs> like that just is dumb. Like if you can't convince, if, if you have 30 or 50 coders and everybody thinks it's a really stupid idea, well, it might just be a stupid idea. Like, nobody's going to do it. Yeah, but developers aren't clients. No. Well, I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, we'll see what he says or what yeah. they do. I mean, but you know what they could do is they say, look, if you can't, if you can't make a persuasive argument, to other people why something needs to be done, then maybe it's not a good, maybe there's, it's not a good idea. I mean, you don't just say, well, I want you to do this. Say, look, I went and talked to this client. I talked to this client. This is the feedback they gave. This is their, how their budget works. This is how they want to pay for this. Or this is the feedback we're getting from our, you know, if you, if it's a, if it's a, a consumer based product, this is, this is the information we're collecting. This is what people want. You know, I don't think that's, if, if it's a, if there's a really good idea, it should be pretty easy to make a case. For I'm it. curious if you, if you are managing uh, developers, how would you make them hit a deadline? How would I make them hit a deadline? Yeah, if a deadline that was like, you know, difficult to hit. Like we got to do something before yeah. they should be able to get it done? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that's usually when you do that, it's bad. That's bad management, usually. You got to figure out how to, I mean, asking people like, oh, okay, you got to, because I used to do that my first company. We would work. I remember our worst, the worst time ever, we did this for three and a half weeks. It was our first show and tell to our investors. And we had been working on stuff for like a year and a half or whatever. And it was just trying to, we, you know, we made the mistake of like building different parts of the system without getting it all connected together. And we had to get everything all hooked together. And then you realized nothing's really working right. And so three and a half, it was, it was three and a half weeks and we would work from like 10 a.m. until like 11 midnight every night. And yeah. we just, hard as we could you did that for three and a half weeks and and then i did it one more time for, one or two more times we did it like for like we can have two weeks but after that i'm never doing that again so that wasn't beneficial for you to, sh- to do that show and tell to the investors in the end it didn't make a difference didn't make in the end the stuff almost never makes a difference in my experience oh we gotta get this, this and you look back you're like why was i so worried about that why was that such a big deal well i remember that there was a push for local bacon to get that done. And it was the deadline for the launch conference. In that instance, it made a deal, a big deal, right? Oh, to, to show it for the, for the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think ultimately 
you just need to wait. Okay. We're talking about a couple different things here, but I mean, I think ultimately what you do is you just got to reduce your, your expectations. Say, look, we got to do a little bit less. We're going to get this thing done. Right. Well, I want all these things done and I want them all done, you know, in three days, you know, I mean, you can do that a little bit of that, but in the end it, it's like, it's like you're running a marathon. It's like, we're going to sprint the third mile. I mean, what, it's stupid. What are you going to say to Steve Jobs? Thing. I mean, Steve, okay. Steve Jobs says to you, I need this done by this time. Like, are you going to say, okay, listen, you need to like reduce your expectations. Well, that's why I don't work for anyone else. Uh, that's yeah. Good point. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to put with that crap. You know, yeah. It's like you want to go tyr- uh, tyrannize somebody else, try and bully somebody else into throwing away their life. Do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to listen to your bullshit. You know, and I don't know. I mean, how do you get them to try and hit something? I would say you probably try and talk to the developer. And say, what? Can, what do you think we can do here? You know, look, we have this much time. You know, we have pressure from the business side to get this and this done. Can we do it or not? If our guys are like, yeah, we can do it. Okay, well, you know, are you sure or do you think you can? Okay, maybe let's do a plan B. What What are the most important parts that we can get done that we mm. can, yeah, we're really confident we can get done? Yeah, so, yeah. You know, and then, uh, and then, and then try and come out with like um, a little bit of a battle plan. So let's say it's like it's only doing two weeks or something. Well, let's, let's, let's have a check in on, um, you know, each couple of days real quick and see where we are. If we're falling behind, if we have to cut something. Well, I always think you would be quite a good manager because you do things like, you know, okay, we're going to be black ops. We're going to call ourselves black ops. You know, you give yourself <laughs> funny names and you give yourself missions and things Not like funny that. names, cool names. Okay, sorry. Cool Everybody names. wants to be in the elite squad. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you give people a mission they can really believe in, that's a, that's a big motivator, isn't it? And I think you Seriously. probably do that when you, when you are working with teams of people. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I, you know, all I times do is I, and I'm just running my soccer team is um, talking to people individually, you know, getting up and waving your hands, rah, rah, we're do this and that. I just find everybody just kind of tunes you out. They're kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're just kind of talking and trying to, you know, you like hearing yourself talk and you're real impressed with yourself, but everybody else is meanwhile <laughs> just like, well, they don't give a crap. It's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but if you go talk to a one-on-one, you're like, dude, we got to make this happen. Like, or, you know, however you want to say it. Like, You're talking about you? winning a match now, right? Whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, you say, like, what, like, and my, I remember the, the you know, the examples that stick, sticks with me the most is, I remember we were playing in this big state qualifier for, for this big, the state championship, state cup. And we we're playing, you know, in some big semifinal match against one of the best teams. They had a bunch of ex-pro players on it. And they're really good. And they had this main, <coughs> I had this uh, center midfielder named Shy. I remember he's a shaved head and he, you know, the guy, he was an amazing player. And I told Mark, who I've mentioned the show already, I was like, Mark, <coughs> Mark, <laughs> I got a job for you. You have to mark Shy out of the game. I don't care what the hell else you do, you mark him out of the game. He does not touch that ball. If he touches, every time he touches that ball, I want him to regret it. <laughs> That's all you need to worry about. You're just a shy stopper. Just don't let him get the ball. And sure enough, we 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 beat him because he every ball went through him. It was like their quarterback. Every ball went through him. If he didn't touch the ball, people didn't weren't sure exactly how to set up the player, what they're supposed to be doing. And it worked. Mm-hmm. But it was because I went to Mark and I it was like a special request. Like, can you do it? <laughs> I mean, it was kind of like I had to ask him. I'm like, I'm like, can you do it? You know, and it, rather than just telling him to do it, because first of all, I don't think it usually works to tell people to do something. It's like 
The key, to win, this, the yeah. key to winning this match <clears throat> is marking Shadow of the game. We don't mark him out, we're going to lose. This is the end of our tournament. This is the end of the run. I think you're the best guy. I think you're the only guy I can do it. Can you do it? And he's like, he, and he was like, yeah. And, you know, Mark, of course, is an extremely competitive guy. And he's I- an extremely, <laughs> he's an extremely athletic guy. He's tall and strong and fast and competitive. So I like, I How did you know that Shy was the guy? Because we played them in you played previous. Them? Okay, I right. mean, you know, you get to know, <clears throat> you know, we were one of the top teams in the state, not the country. And we would, so we knew the other top teams. You run, you run into them. Okay. Or you hear about them. We know about Docs Italia. We know about lasers. We know about. So Star. it's like the dodgeball. It's like dodge. You ever seen the movie Dodgeball? I don't remember it that way. I oh, saw okay. it, but I don't remember it. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah you, you just you know just who the, know. the it's, other it's guys just, are, yeah. You know who the you know who the, the big names are, and you know, and so and we had run against them, and 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 I I think we had lost to them the the previous time we'd played to them, or and I just I knew I was like he he's he's their pivot. So I went to him and I asked him, and I I explained to him like what's on the line and what if we win this is what happens, and he wanted to win the damn game. And we won it. And it was, and I had, you know, I had to thank, you know, again, it was like, it was because of you, Mark. I mean, like you, I mean, everybody played well, but you shut down their playmaker, <laughs> which is interesting. It's like, you know, um, I know you're not into sports, but I, I think some of our listeners might, you know, follow this a little bit. But so the, one of the consistently strongest teams in the NFL is the New England Patriots. And their coach, Belichick, is, he's, a couple of things interesting about him. First of all, he's like, he shows almost no emotion. Right, and he like during the press conferences, he really doesn't say anything. They ask him question, he just gives you sort of like, ah, "Well, it's just how we do it," or whatever. It's really <laughs> funny, but he's he's like a genius because every time that you do well, see the worst teams in the league get the first picks in the draft the next year to help them build themselves back up. So the best teams, they don't get the they don't get the early picks, so they don't get the best players usually. And so if they want to get good players, they have to spend the money they have, and of course, there's a cap on how much money you spend. So you're so if you're consistently doing well, you're kind of depleting your opportunities. Hmm. You are depleting opportunities to get the best players. Hmm. Um, so anyway, one of the things that Belichick does is he says they, he always takes away the thing that the other team wants to do most. Say, so if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us, you know, playing with your left hand or whatever. You know, you're going to have, if you're a passing team, we are not going to let you pass the ball. If you're, you like to pass the long, long ball, you're not getting that. You're going to have to beat us in the short yardage or run. Or if you, all you want to do is run, we're taking that away from him to make you do something you so don't want to do. I get it. So he's taken out there. He's taken out there, Hedgehog. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I know this really having to do with the question you asked, but I was so interested. But like, do, do they do that in, I mean, is that a strategy in like global football? Um, or is it just this guy's know. thing? I don't know if everybody thinks. I mean, I think it's sort of an obvious strategy. I don't know how much <laughs> to think about it. A lot of times, a lot of times what, teams will do is they'll just try and impose their will on their team like this is how we're going to play and this is our strategy this is how we win um i think you know but you know in football you're either always on, you're on offense or defense you're not doing them at the same time whereas soccer you're kind of doing both at the same time right mm-hmm. it's kind of a flu- it's you're fluidly moving from offense and defense but um i don't know i mean i i, I think it's an interesting thing and it reminds me of um there's a uh, an algorithm a a, a um i think we're f- I can't remember why I first heard about it, but it's sort of like a, it's called the min-max algorithm. So like, remember, remember we had the guy David Fogel on a couple years ago and he yeah. built, he evolved a world-class checkers cha- playing yeah. champion. Well, the way that these, um, these, these, they use neuroevolution, they evolved neural nets that would control these, um, each one, the, you know, a, 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 you know, which checker moves to which square or whatever. And they just played this series of round robin tournaments to, to evolve better and better checkers players. 
uh, trigger playing agents or whatever. And f- when the agent would determine which choice to make, uh, you know, like, do I want to move a checker here or here? It would evaluate based on that, how can I minimize the maximum damage that the other, that the opponent could do? And mm-hmm. that was always choice. I'm going to minimize the worst thing they can do for me. Min-max. Min-max, which I think is essential, which is essential to build it. I'm going to minimize, I'm going to take away the worst thing that you can do to me. Your strongest asset, I'm removing it from the board. Now we'll see what you can do. Sounds like a pretty good strategy. Well, you know, a lot of times we don't do it. I mean, like I'll be playing basketball against some guy's good player, and I and I'm just you have to just fall back in the habit of things you like to do. But you say if this guy's an outside shooter, I'm just going to overplay him. I'm going to make him drive to the basket, or if all this guy wants to do is drive, I'm going to let him. Sh- I'm going to back in. I'm going to make him shoot. But and they hate it. The other two players hate that, and they 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 would hate it. And it does seem like an of like I don't know why. I mean. Of course, I don't know whether people do it or not, but it, it does seem like a really obvious thing to do because if you take away anyone's happy place, then <laughs> then they're like, "What the hell?" <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just not, you know, I'm just I just can't get grounded. I'm not myself, you know. So they need to have multiple happy places to even kind of beat you. And yeah, but usually they don't. Have to, okay, so that's true. And and ultimately, you want to have a, a few, you want to have, be a little more versatile. A little more adaptive, so you're harder to put in a box. So you're like a freestyle team, a freestyle team that locks down their key strength. Yeah, you want to lock or lock down the other team's key strength. So, but you want to have it's probably more a good business strategy. Yeah, we're gonna take away their their strongest move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it is, and there's probably lots of examples of people do this. I mean, I, I it's um, yeah. I mean, I mean, like a lot of times you would see like in sports or something, there'll be some new athlete will show up and they'll do some amazing stuff and they'll just kill it for a while. People are like, oh my God, this guy's re- redefining the sport. But then the team will figure out how to neutralize it. Mm-hmm. Like I remember there was this game a year or two ago with Michael Vick, who is a quarterback for Philadelphia. And he's, he, he not only could throw, but he could scramble. Like if you didn't worry about him scrambling, he would run for 20 yards. <laughs> and he had this one game where he like ran for like 150 yards or something and threw for 300 yards and every and all the announcers afterwards and even other quarterbacks were tweeting like oh yeah oh my god are we are we seeing the new evolution of the quarterback like <laughs> this is amazing but then immediately like within a game or two all of a sudden other teams just shut it down they figured out like what strategy how do we keep him contained so that he can't get around the corner and run and they figured it out and and now yeah occasionally he scrambles but you know mostly. It's not, it's not his big thing anymore. He can't. I mean, yeah, you, the other team will take it away. The smart team will take it away. Like, you know, they can't. If you have more than one move, you really can't take away everything. You just take away their best thing. All right. Anyway, well, back on. So to, uh, back onto tech. Have you got any? Um... Well, I got a bunch of stuff. So one thing I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> I was reading. Um, I was reading something on two, two things. Yeah, the last couple of days are sort of funny. One is about Soylent. So there was some, I guess Soylent came out of the list of their ingredients yeah, yesterday. The, the micronutrients. The yeah. micronutrients. And there was a lot of hate in the comments. Oh, yeah. I, and, and it reminded me, well, okay, so there, there, people are hating on Soylent, right? And, and a lot of it is very emotional. It's very emotional. And then I, it was similar because the day before, or early, maybe early the same day, I was reading the comments about Bitcoin. And there was a ton of hate on Bitcoin. Huh. And one of our uh, of our uh, of our friends, Patrick McKenzie, was the number one hater. He was the number one comment. And oh, he, he oh he hated it. He's like, I would short Bitcoin with. He's like, if there was a way to short Bitcoin, because like, they were talking about what if there was like a derivative market. Or I guess the article was like one of the reasons 
that Bitcoin has gone up in value so much is there's no real easy way to short Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. And so there's no downward pressure on it. Yeah. And Patrick was like, look, I would, if there is any way to short it, I would short as much as I could based on my risk tolerance. Yeah. Or something. Right. And it was sort of funny. And the other one I remember, there was so much hate on. I mean, later on, it changed a little bit with Tesla. Tesla has so many haters <laughs> out there. And I was like, what is it between that makes that's similar between Tesla, Bitcoin, and Soylent that makes so many people hate it? Even people who are like, you know, entrepreneurial and, and, and tech-oriented. Because the tech-oriented people tend to be people who are a little more future-oriented, you know? They people, they're the people who a lot of times talk about... Um, disruption and they're and they're kind of like like us like sci-fi fans and you know they talk about self-driving cars they're talking about drone you know whatever it's like the coolness of the future isn't there like a quote about it like if something is truth you know if first they're really going to argue with you about it then they're going to hate you and then finally they're going to accept it as truth uh like first they're gonna like first they're gonna ignore you and then they're going to laugh at you then they're going to fight you, and then they're going to, and then you're, they're going to lose, is, and then you're going to win. Is is this that kind of effect? Which is, I think, Gandhi. Is, that's a Gandhi's quote. I, I kind of butchered it a little bit, but that's essentially okay. it. Um, so, so what? What's your reason? Like, what's your what's your thinking that the re- the reason why people hate Bitcoin, Tesla? They all they're all new things. Yeah, they're all disruptions to disruptions. people's sense of how things are or have been. I mean, it's 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 you know huh. even even though people. Well, at first, yeah. I was thinking, I, at first I was like, I was thinking, why would Patrick be so anti-Bitcoin? You know, I could, I could, I could understand being sort of uh, uninterested in it or unconvinced, but thinking it's really stupid, like a lot of people in the comments were, or just, you know, just are, are like it has to fail. Uh, I, I, I is curious to me, and I started thinking. I said, like, well, the one thing about Patrick is, you know, he. He's an entrepreneur, but his entrepreneur efforts are extremely conservative. A bingo card creator for teachers. Yeah. Right? An appointment reminder. How does he market? He buys ads. He optimizes he's ex- ads. He's very low risk. Very conventional. Yeah. Very conventional thinker. Very low risk. Um, and, um, and he's a very, if you've been personal, he's a very... Um, Oh, and he, he worked as a salary man in Japan for crying out loud. No, but like that's a that's a very um, conformist environment. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, I think Patrick, while being a very smart guy, is more on the conformist side. And I think, you know, so that's what's thinking him a particular Bitcoin. I'm not sure if I can extrapolate beyond that, but I think that's why he might take that. I would think he would take that. But what about when he like you know consults with a company and he says to them move this thing two pixels to the right, and then they end up making, you know, $50,000 more every day. Like, does that fit in anywhere here? Does That doesn't seem like a conformist. So. I think he's, I think he's kind of a micro-optimizer. I think he plays within a very well-understood framework. You know, so, he, so I think, I think he's, I think he's uh, more of a, can, a, a, can, a, a, you know, sometimes they get these personality tests or whatever. Yeah. You know, I think he would be following more of a conventional conformist personality type i mean i personally could now i mean i could have worked for a big company much less working for like a japanese company that kind of a conformist situation mm-hmm. right so bitcoin it's to a- him must just sound like crazy 
right? <laughs> Where, but but then when you really think about what it's doing, like it, it's how it can work as a, as a store of value, how it may, you know, which would be an incredible store of value. It's way better than gold or silver or something like that, right? You can, you know, in countries like Argentina, which is like 40% well, inflation. Why, why, don't just say that. Why is it better than gold or silver? So I got to I got to hold gold in my house. I got to go buy gold coins. I got to carry gold around a gold bar. I mean, what the hell am I gonna? Okay, mean? so you're talking. Okay, so the logistical aspect, it's better than gold. Yeah. But what about the fact that? So if I have like a if I have a hundred thousand dollars in gold, I mean, what am I gonna take a safety deposit box and put it out in there? I thought it was interesting that there was like a number of articles saying Bitcoin's crashing, Bitcoin's crashing, right? And it just went down to like you know it it went down to six hundred for a day, but then it went back up to eight hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, and I think Bitcoin has, I think it's, it is, could, has a potential to, to be a future of, uh, of, of, of digital payments. I think like, for instance, the fact that you have to pay 3% for a credit card to buy stuff, or what if, what are these micropayments? I mean, the fact that I can pay with a hundred millionth, I can pay with one Satoshi, I can pay with a hundred, a hundred millionth or whatever it is of a Bitcoin. That means that you could pay for super small things. You could charge things for a completely different way. I told you that I bought a, a, a 0.01 <laughs> of a Bitcoin, right? Yeah, and I said, well, that's right in line with yours. So you got one share of Tesla. And, one, one, and 0.01 of a Bitcoin. What's the point of that anyway? Because I want to be in. If you're not in, you can't win. But who cares? So if it went, so here's the thing. It's just like with Tesla. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to be really depressed if it goes up times 10. No, I was th- I, like, because you were really sad. You know you what? One share of Tesla and it went up and you're like, oh, I look, I, I didn't have anyone give me one Bitcoin. All right. No one gave me a Bitcoin. Dude, you got a lot more than $7.50. I've got to earn my own Bitcoins. I've got to buy my own Bitcoin. So I'm going to buy it in 10 <laughs> parts, right? It cost me, se- I'm going to pay it over, over a year. I'm going to get, because that's the great thing about Coinbase. You can do a recurring purchase, a recurring order. So I'm going to say, okay, give me 0.01 of a Bitcoin every month. Why don't you just buy like $100, uh, 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 why don't you buy like $1,000 a month? hundred dollars a month. I'm like Patrick McKenzie. I'm very low risk. I know you are, and that's why you're going to end up with like <laughs> forty two dollars in Bitcoin, which will then go up to maybe be a hundred. If you're lucky, it'll go up to like three hundred. You're like, whoa! And I'm like, right, you got two hundred fifty bucks. If you had actually bought some real money, you had actually done something. With it. I may consider it, and I'm, I may consider doing some. I mean, one day I'm actually we, myself and Georgie, we have been talking about um, investing because we've been saving up, but we need to make a decision on you know how we're going to do it. We'll probably do that. 10% plan where you put 10% in one thing, 10% another thing, 10% another thing. Right. Well, see, here's one thing I, that I've learned is, though, is that w- when you see an opportunity, if you sit around and think about it for a long time, you miss them. I feel like the Bitcoin opportunity has already been missed. Um, well, you, you missed some of the early one. I mean, you can buy them pullbacks, but the same with Tesla. Like, you sat around and all of a sudden, like you did, you sat around last time and it was at 30, and you're like, yeah, it's a really good idea. And then all of a sudden, it's like. No, at 30, I mean, 80. that was a big mistake. I mean, obviously, that was a huge mistake. I should have bought at 30. But, te- I mean, I, I feel like the Bitcoin, you should have bought at like 30 as well. Like, so at this stage. It well, that's, be- that's the problem. It's, um, see, okay. See, that's one of the reasons I think there's a problem. There's the hate on, there's the hate on Bitcoin, is people miss the boat and they're pissed about it, and so they resent it. Yeah, and so they want to see it fail. Like it's it like if you're on the outside and you didn't buy any. I mean, yeah, I wish I had bought twenty thousand dollars in Bitcoin when it was thirty bucks. No, I wasn't paying that close attention. I started paying close attention was when it was around a hundred. When it went up, but but how do you know if it's not Snapchat? I mean, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's Snapchat coming in with a fifty million dollar investment kind of thing. 
Like, how do you know that Bitcoin? I mean, when when it's thirty bucks, you get if Bitcoin's thirty bucks, you're going to put twenty thousand on it. No, here's the thing. Yeah, see, here's a, with all of these investments that are things that I've been talking about. I mean, you remember? I can't remember how this was six months ago, and I said my investment thesis was Bitcoin, Tesla, and so and. Search. But you never bought any Bitcoin. I didn't have any at the time. I was about to, but then I found out how much we had to pay off in taxes. So okay, I didn't. right. Look, my non-investing in Bitcoin had nothing to do with my unwillingness or hesitancy. It was purely the fact that you didn't have the cash. We had to pay as much taxes that would have bought you a brand new Mercedes. <laughs> like, right. so when you got to do that and you got like six months to do it, like you're not buying Bitcoin. Right. I mean, you're putting the money in the bank and getting ready to write a check to the IRS. Okay. So yeah, it had nothing to do with that. And, um, you know, I think what you want to do is you want to look at things that you, you first of all, you don't want to pay attention to what everybody else is doing, you know, because everyone else is usually wrong. Nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. So you have, to, you have to look down and look at fundamental principles and decide, does this have a future? If you actually looked at Bitcoin and go, okay, it has this amazing ability uh, as a store of value for allowing micropayments to be able to buy things in other countries. Credit cards are very bad for that. It, you know, exchanging, all this stuff, is, it's just better. It's just better than PayPal. It's better than credit cards. It's better than wire transfers. It's a better technology. So as long as governments don't outlaw it, that's the big risk, then it's an amazing technology. So if you look at it from, from, from you know, base principles like that, then it's an impressive, it's something that's, that's an attractive investment. Just like at Tesla, and we've gone through it, so I won't go through it again, but you look at Tesla and you're like, you know, it's like, it's, it's, an, ama- it's an amazing car, it's this and this and this, and the strategy, and you look, read, read a, it was like the, the big strategy that, he, that Elon laid out like two years ago, wrote a big blog post about it, I mean, it was like 2010. I mean, it just, if you actually read it and thought about it, you're like, that absolutely makes sense. I can see how this can work. I don't care what the hell Ball Street says. I don't care what the stupid pundits say. I don't care what the jackasses in the media say because they don't, they're right. never wrong. All I right. mean, they're never right. Okay. Or rarely uh, right. Okay, you're right. You're right, okay? So let's keep our ears to the ground for the next thing like this that comes up where there's a possibility for us to invest. And we'll, we'll see, like, because there's a certain kind of buzz about these things as well. You know, you do kind of keep on seeing them crop up in the news or hacking news or whatever. And when we see that next thing, then we'll, we'll go for yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, in, in, it doesn't just have to be something to invest in. It can be like, you know, it's like when mobile phones start coming, iPhones come out. The smartest thing is like, you know, I was like, oh, I don't know about mobile phones and this and that. It's like, that's when you get in early and everybody's like confused or these, these are kind of weird or these going to work or what kind of apps can you really run on this? And the first few people go, oh man, look, like you get there and explore. Like, look, you can actually build something that's kind of cool here. You know, first Android, like, ah, Android sucks or whatever. It's like, especially, it, 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 you kind of have, you have to be a contrarian, really. I mean, well, if I'll you're, tell if you're you- not a contrarian, you cannot do these asymmetric investments. You can only, you only, you're, and, then, and you're not going to get big returns. Well, what about Oculus Rift then? Is that what it's called, Oculus Rift? Yeah, of course. I mean, that, they've just had a 75 million investment from Andreessen. And like virtual reality is, it, virtual reality has been one of those things that's like, everyone's been saying, Oh, it's going to take off. It's going to take off. Well, now it's really going to take off because once you've got that amount of um, commercialization on it, like people who are creating games and experiences for that could make a lot of cash. Yeah. I do think that's a good one. So one thing I want to talk about is is the the sort of hate, you know, thing. So Soylent, like why do people hate on Soylent? And one thing that's funny is like a lot of people, I mean, people are very emotional about food. Yeah, food. And people feel like, well... I think they're sort of, they're not really thinking deeply about it, but they're just, it's like, well, 
I would hate this world. Like imagine this world where people just ate like powdered food. It's like, that just sounds like the worst thing to me. You know, like that's what they're imagining. Like I like going and getting fresh, you know, fruit and food and we cook up, you know, this very, you know, so you can imagine that and it just feels distasteful. But it's like, you don't have, it's no, no one's saying that you're not going to eat good, natural, healthy, well-prepared food. But at least for me, it's like, there are probably at least a half a dozen meals or more a week, probably in between five and 10 meals a week where I could have something like Soylent, assume that I can down the taste of it, where I could eat that, save the time and the money, which in some cases is important. The money is less important. Time is a little bit, but mostly like it will allow me to lose weight because I'm not going to overeat because I'm not going to go and go to Father Nature with you and like, I know I shouldn't get the hummus and pita bread, but I get it every time because <laughs> I can't resist it, right? <laughs> right, right. I can't resist it. No, but, no, can't, but that's a good point that you bring up because then we're not going to go to Father Nature. We're not going to have that time to communicate with each other. So you're going to have a lower quality of life. No, that's not true. I mean, I... Hey, I mean, no. you don't like talking to me if I... What, what are you saying? I mean, no. we're, we're, we're friends, aren't we? Uh, yeah. Are we friends? <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that there'll still be plenty of times where it's not like I'm not I'm going to do that instead of going out to eat. But when I would eat by myself, okay, I have a soccer game on a Wednesday night. Sandy's like, you're on your own because I'm eating with kids. So I get up at 10 o'clock. You know what I do? I eat a bowl of grape nuts. I think you should is, swap no, listen, So I eat a bowl of grape nuts. Yeah. Which is like what 800 or a thousand calories you ever had a bowl of grape nuts have you ever had one recently yeah it, no not recently you know it like fills you up for like two days yeah it's, that's, I, I do something stupid like that and i do stupid things like that all the time well i think you should you could at least swap your your on your because you regularly go to a trip to Pollo loco on your own yeah, well, that's my kind of like you know how they would say einstein would wear the same suit every day yeah I think about that's kind of like i don't want to think about it i want to eat something that's relatively healthy relatively quick and convenient and it's Pollo loco is mine so would you do that would you do it for that? Would you swap that meal? Probably a, few, a couple of them. Because there's sometimes just like, there's nothing I have a taste for. Like, there's nothing I really want to go eat. And I don't want to have it. I don't want to make a sandwich. There's not sandwich doesn't seem to appeal. Like, I just nothing I really want. And I definitely don't want to overeat. Well, which is what will happen a lot of times. Is that, is that I'm not even that hungry, but I know I need to eat something. Because if I don't eat something, I'm going to get hungry. And then I'm going to eat too much. So then, but I'll still order I have a bad habit of going and having lunch or something and I'll still order the standard amount and I'll still like, I still eat like 300 or 400 calories more than I should have. One problem I've got with Soylent is that the ingredients that it's based off are genetically modified organisms. So that, that why is that a problem? Well, it's just, I've just got a dis- inherent distrust. Cause your mom, well, but into that. my, my, my mom talks about it a lot, but it is a good point that basically we take this corn we genetically modify it so that it can have poison sprayed into it and kind of live. Like, how do we know what the hell's happened to that? You know what I'm saying? Like, you genet- you're changing the genetic structure. Like, you never know what's going to, what effect that could have on humans or whatever. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm just not, it's like, that's a fair, I guess I owe movies, uh, was it, was it Tales of the Dark Side or, yeah. or uh, Twilight Zone? It's like, you guys, like, there's this big monster that was kind of like, they see this thing floating around the lake, and these bunch of these teenagers are kind of like college-age kids are sitting on this raft thing, and everyone's like, one girl's like, oh, no, look at that thing. And he's like, you know, no matter how hard I try, I just can't seem to get worried about it. Because <laughs> 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 they're kind of like smoking some weed. So like, yeah, I'm like, hey, don't worry. Hard I try, just can't seem to get worried about it. <laughs> but apart from that, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm interested in it. I've bought a month's, worth, a month's supply. I'm going to try it out, you know, definitely. See, for me, it's like an energy bar. So, like, energy bars, I have, I usually have an energy bar around 5 o'clock, which is, like, zone or 
bars or where the hell they are. They're like 200 calories, pretty good ratio of protein and carbs and stuff. And it's just enough so that I'm not hungry anymore. And then I can go play sports or work out for a couple hours. But if I actually try to eat a meal... Well, soy is not going to be like that because yeah, it's but going to be but, but, a lot more than 200 calories. I know, I know, I know. Let's, let's, yeah, go on. You're up. <laughs> so that, that's a perfect – the energy bar is perfect because it's not like I don't eat lunch or dinner or have a snack because of an energy bar, but I eat just what I need and it's, and it's healthy um, and I don't feel full. Like I, I, can't, it's hard, I can't eat right before I get workout, like real food. You know, I can have an energy bar or protein shake but I couldn't eat anything more than that. Otherwise, I'd be like, oh, I have to wait an hour and a half for I work out. But I was thinking Soylent would be the kind of thing that like, you know what? I don't want anything for lunch. I, just, I don't really feel like I'm going to lunch. I'll just have a, you know. That's, that's assuming that I like the taste. I may hate the taste. But I think, I, I think everyone who's reacting to Soylent, I think a lot of people react to Soylent, it's an all or nothing. Like people are going to live on it for every meal, all the time. Where, that's not the point of it, really. They, they, even Rob himself says, you know, he kind of has a percentage that he eats of Soylent. So he'll have like an 80%, but he'll go out for two pr- real food meals a week kind of thing. Yeah, I think people, exactly. And so I think most people will be like, you know, are people against energy bars? No, because nobody cares. Because when people do, when they have like maybe two or three a week or whatever, you know, it's like people, I don't eat, I don't eat dinner anymore because they eat freaking energy bars. Well, one of, one of the, the hating posts on Soylent was that someone said, you know, then they're, they're never going to be able to market this. Like no one apart from this small community of techies is going to want to buy this. And I didn't really understand that viewpoint. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people who say things like that, I mean, they're just talking on their ass. I mean, they're just saying because they don't like it, they assume nobody else like. But there's so many things in this world that I don't like that huge numbers of people like. It's so hard to say things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a ton of people, especially if it helped at all, uh, it helped people at all to lose weight. It would be huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the biggest problems with the people I know is, I mean, not people are like 100 pounds away, but most people I know would be like, I would love to lose 10 pounds or 15 pounds. And, you know, maybe it would maybe, maybe eliminating six or seven sort of these sort of throwaway meals yeah. with something where it's like, well, instead of consuming 1,200 calories, I actually end up consuming 700. And it was also the kind of didn't make me fat. And I doing that four or five or six miles a week. After gradual. two months, I actually lost seven or eight or ten pounds pretty yeah, painlessly. Just like a gradual, that gradual thing. Would be what they call the killer app. Yeah, that would be pretty. That's simple, the killer right? app. Nobody's like trying to replace going out and grabbing sushi or something, right? What they're trying to do is like, how do I skip from having the subway sandwich? Well, the real interesting thing is, you know? is it? Are you going to feel like a sense of lack? Even if you do those seven meals, will you feel a sense of lack? As long as you don't, then that's great. But if you do, you may end up eating more and putting on weight. Well. For for me, it would be the kind of situation where I would do it where I'm like, I'm not really, like I said, I feel like I should eat something. I'm hungry enough that I, I feel like I need to have a meal, but I don't need an entire meal. Yeah. That's what I mean. Anyway, so, but I just think it, these things that have in common and I want to uh, is that people jump, they go, oh, like Bitcoin, like how is it going to replace the U.S. dollar? Who's talking about that? Who's talking about replacing the U.S. dollar? <laughs> You know, or no, it's, oh, you're gonna live off soil and that can't possibly. Who's talking about that? Is anybody saying that that you know? But they jump to the 
they take it to the nth degree and go, that's, it can't be done. Well, how, how do they take it. it to the nth degree about Tesla? Oh, like, you know, how they're going to replace all these cars or we can't possibly, electricity is going to rob the grid, which all runs off of coal. It's, it's like, dude, it's a long series of transition. It's way easier to get cars to run off of electricity. And then you can, over time, turn the electrical power generation and using other sources, whether they're solar or geothermal, hydro or nuclear. Let's think about this. If, if Elon Musk has uh, Solar City. And I think the thing behind Solar City is you put the, the solar panels on people's roofs and then they reclaim power back, putting it into the system mm-hmm. that they pipe to the supercharging companies. How do they do a deal where they get that electricity from Solar City and give it to Tesla? No, they don't. That's, I don't go to the supercharger statement. The supercharger statement stations themselves have, have Solar City panels. Oh, they just have Solar City panels. panels. People's. Um, my understanding is that people who have these solar panels on roofs, or for, whether they're from Solar City or these other um, solar installer, installers or providers, they I think there's some sort of regulation with the states or whatever that they have to the grid has to buy off excess power or something like that, mm. or, they, or at least, or maybe if they don't have to, they they make it possible because of the the grid because having additional sources of power is always good during peak times, mm. you know, and that's when it turns out that solar Solar makes its most money is at the peak times when it's the hottest part of the day and people are always running their air conditioning. Mm, yeah, okay. We talked about this in a big thing. I went up to go back into it about okay, sure. three or four months ago. But um, So another thing I wanted to talk about, yep. I got an email from uh, a listener, uh, Scott Underwood. He's like, he's like, so what do you get Colby for Christmas? Because I have an eight-year-old and I try, I'm trying to figure out like what's a good kind of geek dad present type thing. Right? Go on. And I was like, you know, well, I guess he's getting his son like an Xbox One or something. And maybe I think maybe some Lego or Mindstorm or something, which I those sound great. I said, you know, I'm kind of stuck because Colby doesn't want anything or he can't think of anything. <laughs> and part of the reason is, is because he's on all his free time when he's not doing homework or doing his reading, which takes it from a time or going to whatever sport practice or game. He's on the computer. Like he doesn't like he doesn't even watch TV anymore. He's just—is he on the computer building stuff, or he, no? Because he's—he looks at a lot of YouTube uh, things about. It's like, probably engineering. A, it's probably a similar ratio to us coding versus reading articles about okay. coding or whatever. Yeah. I think he he spends some of his time watching those sort of commentary on playing these games, you know, getting ideas and for stuff, or just being entertained, and a lot of time just building stuff. But he spends a lot of time building these elaborate space stations and spaceships and in StarMade and then also in Kerbal building rockets and stuff. He spends a lot of time doing that. So that's why Sandy calls you one brain. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one reason, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I was trying to think, like, what, you know, because he doesn't need a computer. He, he, the things he asked for were a, a cell phone, which Sandy put a kibosh on that. She's like, no oh, way. you're not getting a cell phone at nine years old. No. Um, and the other one was a laptop, which he doesn't need because he has my perfect condition iMac, which I gave him with, which is like 16 gigs of 27 RAM. inch monitor, 27 inch monitor, 16 <laughs> gigs of RAM, brand new hard drive, and we installed everything from scratch. So it's like runs like a charm. That's yes. sweet. So I'm thinking, like, what, you know, and I said, you know, Legos, he's maxed out on Legos. Like, he did tons of Legos and he was doing those like, 2000 piece 14 plus and older sets and he was like seven i mean he was so into it and got so good but i think now he just doesn't really care about him anymore and mindstorm you know we did some of that he built a bunch of the robots he took a class this summer like programming with a drag and drop thing so he's kind of got through that he's kind of you know done it 
Mm-hmm. But now also he doesn't think the drag and drop programming is cool, which we've kind of ruined him for drag and drop programming. You know what? I have an idea. What about like um, Arduino or Raspberry Pi? Like doing what with it? Uh, that part I'm not quite See, so that's, sure. That's interesting. It's everybody buys these things. Like, what are you doing with? Well, these well, exactly? okay. I mean, I don't know. Uh, like Jeremy had built a, a garage opener or something. See, that's what I'm saying. Everybody builds these things that are so uncool that they they people like, oh, I want to buy something that like turns a light on or waters my plant. I'm like, that's just not to me. That's not cool. Like, it's like, you know, you think of these things, like, you think of it like advanced, sci-fi, technical, but the things people build it are just so kind of... Well, what would be cool for I don't know, but there's things... Well, one thing that I think would be cool would be, like, those those, um, quadcopters where you program them to fly in different patterns and formations. That would be cool. Were you the one who sent me that or someone else sent me that? Uh, Someone else sent me a link. I think I said, what, just a video of it? Yeah. Probably me, yeah. Um, That might be cool. Um... So th- the ideas I had, though, is that there was a Kickstarter project for what they call the Heirloom Chemistry Set. Hmm? Did you see that? No. So this guy, he's been teaching chemistry for years, and he has like this, this science uh, um, <coughs> toy shop kind of thing. And he's, he's built out these sort of these custom-built – or actually, he's, he, he's got it in production where these really cool wooden cases and he has all the real chemicals because the chemistry nowadays are so neutered that you really can't make anything because the companies are so afraid of liability and regulations. But this has like all the chemicals that were in the chemistry sets from the 20s to the 40s. So you, so you can stuff. really blow stuff up. I don't have to say blow stuff. We could do all kind of cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's like 250 bucks or something like that. Oh, wow. But, um, but the problem is, is he'll, you'll never get it by Christmas. Well, maybe not that. Not if it's a Kickstarter. But he already doesn't really want anything, right? So if we get someone to say, well, we're not going to get it until February or March, she'd be like, all right. I mean, that is, I just want to just like put a, put a bookmark, uh, like a, a star around this. Like the pain with Kickstarter is it takes effing ages to get anything that you, that you buy. Uh, so we, I bought this Dwarven Forge stuff for Georgie because you know she's a play therapist, right? So Dwarven Forge had this great because we had one of our one of the listeners. It took ages and age. I mean, like literally, you didn't get it for like four or five months. And Soylent, right? I mean, I ordered that like a year ago. Yeah, it's just so it's very you know you've got this kind of passion about this thing, and then you don't see it for six months. So I just want to say that's kind of the very irritating aspect of a Kickstarter. Anyway, yeah. So the so that anyway so that's what? one thing is the heirloom chemistry set is what they call it. Um, the other was um, well, I brought that with Sandy and she was like, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm like, why? You know, I'm like, so she's like, no, I just don't think he'll like it. Oh, okay. and I was like, I don't think you know us. <laughs> oh, you don't know one I, well, brain. Well, because it's like me saying, because you know, she gets stuff for the girls. Like, I don't know what the hell they want. You know, it's all like dolls and tea sets. It's just this, all this girly stuff. And she's like, trust me, we get this, this, and this. And I'm like, okay. Like, I have no way of looking in that and going, she's going to love this or not. I mean, well, I mean, I, I mean, I get, I, I can see it. Like, I can pattern match and say this is like this other thing, right? But I don't personally, I can't personally understand why they would like that, right? What I, the things that girls like, I don't get. Just, and I'm like, I think that's the way she's with us. I think she just doesn't get it. Okay, I have got something that you could get for Colby. Right here. Okay, so basically, this isn't. It's not this that you're going to get from Colby, but this this would give you the idea. So with this, I'm killing two birds with one stone here. I'm t- I'm talking about an interesting link that I got it's a few. A 3D printer. Basically, it's a 3D printer that prints a house. Mm-hmm. So basically, I, I had never thought about it before. Wow, you could really take 3D printers to you know a big scale. 
So this is a 3D printer that is big enough to print an entire house. Yeah, I don't think we really have place for that. No, I know. That but the point is, it's 3D printer. I think 3D printer could be pretty cool. You know, to me, I've seen most of the stuff they print and it's kind of lame. But most Wait. of the stuff that I'm looking at are like these really sort of low resolution plastic things. Really unimpressive. I think it's just, I think 3D printers what? are cool, but I think I think this stuff is still, I think we're kind of at the Palm Pilot stage. You know what I mean? It's still, it's it's going to be a few years before the stuff is really But we're cool. talking about a kid who like is an engineer who builds with Legos, does all that stuff, who could actually print custom Lego pieces. Yeah, but like I said, he's over the Lego stuff now. He's, he's, over, he's over that whole thing? 100%? Like said, yeah, he doesn't care about it so much anymore. All right. I'm thinking... I'm well, thinking, ask him. Why don't you just ask him? Would you? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, maybe. But see, those are really expensive, too. Oh, okay. Right? I mean, it's not like you buy one for 150 bucks. Oh. Or the ones you get, you know, are pretty pretty bad. I mean, I, I, I feel like... I think this thing's going to be really good probably in you know five years you know you're probably years. right you're probably you know, right i just i mean the stuff it's not that it's not neat but it's I, i'm just there i just feel like it's kind of um yeah not, not quite okay there. go on so what else you got in mind um the other thing let's see what oh you know, <laughs> i i uh, remember they uh the the glowing plant they had a kickstarter for like they, they were going to take they want to they were going to use synthetic biology to create plants that actually glow kind of like an avatar. I remember that. Yeah. 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 So they raised like, they're trying to raise 30,000. They raised like 400,000 or <laughs> five, almost half a million dollars. Huh? And, uh, I actually emailed Omri, uh, Drury, who we interviewed. He's the uh, CEO of genome compiler. And I said, Hey, is there any way that I can still buy one of these? Is there any, I mean, I'm, I know I missed the, the fundraising a long time ago, but let me know if there's any way that I can, uh, you know, because I want to buy one for my son for Christmas or whatever. So we'll see if he maybe gets back to me. Oh, I said, cool. if, anyway, if, if you know anyone to please forward, if, the, if you know what's might be possible, please forward my email. So is it, is it him who's doing the Kickstarter? Uh, he's involved, but he's not the primary okay. person. I mean, you, you know, yeah. So, um, that was one thing I was saying, because, because part of the kit, you don't get the plant, but if you, if you buy one of the more expensive, ones you can actually get the whole maker because you can actually do the synthetic biology yourself oh wow which i thought cool it would be kind of cool and by the way you know i I asked sandy about the chemistry set and she kind of gave me this whole like she just didn't get it but also when i started talking about electronics she's like i just don't get it i don't think that's cool i'm just like what are you talking about and then of course colby loved that too and and so yesterday i brought him i said what do you think of chemistry you know much about it and he's like what do you mean i'm like you know you have chemicals you mix them together to make all different kind of chemicals we can do He's like yeah that sounds cool i want to do that <laughs> so i'm like yeah she doesn't know she's talking about <laughs> <laughs> she, you know sandy is pretty technical when it comes to she likes gadgets a lot and she's pretty she's like a power on the computer she's like a power user and she likes sci-fi okay but there's a limit right yeah. you know she's 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 still not she's not one brain She's not one brain. Oh, but she is. I'll tell you one thing, though. So um, I told you we started coaching that uh, math team at Colby School. Oh, yeah. Did you mention that on the show? Yeah. So we did the first two classes this week. Yeah. And um, I think it's going to be pretty cool. The problem is, is they're switching over from last year. Like the whole state is moving from like, um, I don't know, one set to like common core. Like I forgot what they called it before, but they're changing you know, what material they're supposed to know at what grades and everything. So everything's different. So we're going to have to kind of come up with our own worksheet problems and things like that. Is it common core? Um, Are you going into common core math? Mm -hmm. Is it a specific grade? Fourth. I just happen to know a product that has the entire common core math 
uh, curriculum written out especially like by standard you can limit you can list it by standard you can show what standards are the the whole thing just, i'm just to, saying they have to buy it for an entire school entire class you'd have to buy it for an entire class yeah i mean this is this is like a no budget volunteer math team i could probably set you up with one yeah yeah i'll talk it we'll talk about it all right so well, anyway we went into class and uh, so sandy and I are co-teaching it so we go in on tuesdays and thursdays for an hour during their lunch we, you know they're in the lunch hour they they do it with us and uh, I have some sharp kids in there. A lot of the ones from Catalyst that you know, yeah. Riley and McCarley and Natalie and Colby and like one or two others. But um, the uh, what's funny is I, the, none of them had really done estimating that well. Hmm. And we're like, okay, so let's say that you have a budget of $2,479. Okay? And let's say you want to buy iPads for uh, your school, right? It's 24000 you, know, you had iPads for your class or something. And let's say that you had an iPad cost $479. How many iPads can you buy? And they're all kind of looking blankly. Like, and I said, but you can't use your pencil. And, uh, and they're not able to really figure it out. And I'm like, well, I said, what's the closest number to 24700 And they said, and I think of 25000 And then we do five hundred. Rounded up to four seventy and five hundred, and then you could just do the easy math, right? But then they have never done anything, done that before, because hmm. I'm like, you know, we solve these problems. The first thing you want to do is kind of look at the numbers and bound it, like get a ballpark. Like, what should we get? What kind of number should we get? It was just really funny to think that they had never, they don't really teach that. This sort of this general, like, how do we do quick and dirty math? Yeah, you know, even like, you know, because Google, Microsoft, they always do this kind of logic problems, like how much water goes into the miss from the Mississippi to the ocean per day or yeah. whatever, you know. And he's like, well, you have to kind of like, well kind of guess and come up with some numbers and make it up. But hmm. anyway, so we'll see. Interesting. So we have until end of March. That's great. That's how that goes. But um, yeah, so we're going to come up with our whole strategy of like, so because it's, it's all team-based or actually mm. two thirds of the tests are team-based. So they do like a half hour, like conceptual problems, a half hour as we're going to team of four, a half hour of computation as a team. And then, uh, and then another half hour of individual problems. Hmm. And so like, we need to come up with, our team-based strategy. How do we how do we look at the problem, break down what's being solved, what are the steps, who's going to do, who's going to problem check, solve, who's going to check, who's going to coordinate, like coming up with a real structure to it. So that's going to be kind of interesting. So seeing I'm going to work through that. But. Great. But we're on the topic of that. We should talk about Catalyst. Yeah. What do you think? What's the list? We each had our session. We had a session. So we had seven. Well, there was what seven kids there. Yeah. In the last session. So we were going with like before that more like 10 to 11. So bringing it because it's you, me and Chris, which means we basically have about two kids each that we focus on. It makes it much, it makes the session much better when both of us have are working with two kids. Uh, so yeah. pretty much like working one-on-one and um, it's much quieter. Um, it's just generally like, I think, but I, th- I think everything, you know, the, the content is better. What we're doing is better. There's less kids. There's more more adults to kids. So the whole thing's just working much no better. Software than it used problems. To work. There's no yeah band you know wireless network problems. Yeah, yeah. And what's going to be interesting? We'll see. the The new experiment is sort of to get the kids to start working on their own game. Yeah. Right. So we're. Some kids will start next week. I mean, I, I the, the the what I put out there is I said, okay, you have to finish your challenges, the challenges that we have so far. Um, 
start on a game. And I think after that, what we'll do is we'll kind of work on a game, but then sometimes we will have like one challenge or something they do and then get on their game for the rest of it, just so we can kind of push forward with some, with some stuff, but, um, or get them to focus on some new material on occasion that may not be related to their game. But, um, so we're going to do is each kids have to think of, of a game to come up with. Hmm. So I was thinking what you might want to do is, is just come up with some ideas on your own. Like we got to throw some things at these kids. Like what are some really simple, mm-hmm. but different types of games? Yeah. You know, um, we're already talking about it, like scrolling sideways, spacecraft games, you know, space invaders where they come down the screen games. Um, you can even sort of simpler, like they have different boxes, like, like, Frogger like memory, games. like memory. Like, I think you got to think simpler, simpler. Well, think of memory, right? You know, memory, like, like Simon. I don't know if you did Simon. So no, no, no. So well, you could do Simon, you know, with the, yeah. with the, with the sounds. Yeah. The, with, with the sounds or so memory um, where you have like, you show the same picture in d- different cards and you got to yeah. match them. Yeah. 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 Like we should, like if we could start simple, the first game should be pretty simple <laughs> and then we can scale up and then they can do more complicated games. Okay. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about the, yeah, I, I thought the, the classes are, are getting really good because we have fewer kids I mean, we lost, we lost a couple because of just conflicts of schedules and everything, but the kids that we have, we got the kids who are the most into it, the most dedicated yeah. and the most advanced. Mm. And, um, and yeah, now we're down to, I think we have eight total, but I think Niall is, he says he's moving to San Gabriel like after the holidays. So we need really be down to seven, mm. but you know, seven or eight, I think is, is fine. Yeah. All right. Well, so, um, that's an hour and a half. So what, what do you got for us Let's to, uh, to have. finish up? Let's see here. Um, you know, we were supposed to do a law critique. We didn't do it. I guess let's wait. We're gonna have to wait till next time. All right. I think. Um, well, you know what? I'll just just real quick. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'll throw this one out there. Um, uh, so Glenn Bennett did uh, something called CastFeedValidator.com, and what you do is you is you put your uh, podcast URL and you hit validate your feed, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll see if there's things wrong with. It. I think the only thing that's wrong with ours is said that our picture was not the right size. Oh, okay. Well, so, I think it should have just said our picture sucked. <laughs> like, I, I think that's a fundamental error. I should say, this is a really bad picture, guys. <laughs> I mean, my first thought is, is this a money, is this a money-driven project or is this a fun-driven project? Because if it's a money-driven project... No, well, see, it's, it, it's, yeah, I asked him that too, and he says it's more related to... Um, he has some kind of a, a cloud-casting kind of concept he's working on, like podcasting the cloud or whatever. Right, and right. I think this is maybe part of it. Um, maybe this is a precursor. This is a way of just sort of productizing um, or just making it to service one aspect of it. You know? Well, how about um, rather than just allowing people to enter the feed, how about capturing their email address and basically saying, you know, we'll give you we'll give you a really good report by capturing their email address. And then he's potentially doing marketing at the same time. No, that's a good idea. I think the design of the site's nice. I mean, yeah. I, I don't have any. I mean, I think it's, it's clean. And- maybe have another look. Yeah, yeah. He's he's also in charge. So he's taken over the um, the WordPress podcast plugin, I guess. Oh, right, cool. So he's really into the, into that whole world. Do I do think thing? that looks good. That's very that's a nice design. You know, it's very very simple, and you instantly know what it is. You know, there's a lot of people validate do products. your podcast. It's like feed. Kind of, you know, cost feed validator validate your podcast. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. really. I think he, I think he pretty much nailed it. So yeah. I think it's nice looking design. Yeah, I I wish I had something. Uh, more to say about it but uh, i think it's good although i guess it's just since it's not a money maker um it's then i, I think you're i think you're right though he should be capturing email 
addresses. Actually, you know what? Why don't we just have a quickly talk about Gabriel? Um, Gabriel's just add content because you had an interesting observation. So anyway, I'll I'll talk about. So it's Gabriel's building a site called JustAddContent.com, and uh, what he's doing is he's building a system based on WordPress that will allow you to build a website. So you can just sign up, and it just makes it really easy to build a website. And he's on he's he's running it on top of WP Engine, so he's already got all the scaling and all that stuff dealt with. Um, through WP Engine, and then he's just kind of programming on top of WordPress. Now, uh, looking at looking at the site, um, it just add content.com, the front page is much better than it was the last time I looked at it. I mean, it's it's a proper sales page now, you know, mm-hmm. sales page and pretty simple. But you just signed up for it, and you noticed a very interesting thing, which is something we should mention to Gabriel. Oh, okay. This- so the first thing it did after. I logged in as it showed me my username and password and said I should remember them. So it actually showed my password in plain text. Did it send it to you in an email? Um, did, you, did you basically click an email link and then land back on the site? Yeah, and, then- and it emailed me my password in plain text. Yeah. So here's a... So what Gabriel needs to do is he needs to hash the password. Like that's um, absolute... I wouldn't say it's his best practice. That's just like... Absolute necessity, minimum, yeah. minimal practice. You, you cannot store passwords in uh, in plain text. Now, some companies did it back in the day before anyone knew better, but people now know all these passwords that get hacked. I mean, all these, I'm sorry, these sites that get hacked and their databases get hacked, they get the database and if they're plain text passwords, they have everyone's password and email address. And a lot of people reuse their same password on different uh, sites and so people are screwed so you gotta you gotta fix that so when when you hash it it's not just an md5 you also got to put a salt in so that it's only unique to your site as well so yeah well there well so he he uses php and primarily works with wordpress so i'm sure that there's some kind of uh password hashing php password hashing plugin library where he can he has to do minimal coding because i know he's not an experienced coder right so that's yeah that's one uh, that's one important thing um so I, I don't think we have time right now to go into it any deeper, but basically that was one quick thing that you noticed. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, I mean, I, I, it, it requires a credit card to get in. Huh? Right. So you can't even sign up to the service without a credit card. So how, well, so what did you, so how, well, did you, because I was sitting right here, we we're going to do it right for the show and we didn't have really have time. I wasn't going to pull my credit card out and set up the service right now. So I didn't get, I didn't get into it. Oh, you okay. Into it. I Me, mean, I went into the part, I went as far as selecting my site design and giving a site name. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. Yeah. The only other thing though is it it is it put my username dot just add content.com. I would be like the name of my company. Like that's not my username. Yeah. You know, I would want it to be like I use um like I I had my fake company name with Chicago Consulting, you know? Yeah. And you know, I should have been able to put like, you know, Chicago Consulting dot at you know at just add Well, but you wouldn't want anything to be just add content. You'd want to do a C name, right? So well, you can, but until you get to that point, a lot of times people will set it up there and then they have a C name, but you probably don't want it to be your username. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that should, so it, that should be your company name. You should make it clear in the user journey to say right. that is your, yeah. That's now true. I know that, um, the other thing is, you know, I know that for people to be able to use the site, a lot of times, you know, they say you, you've become a big fan or convert to the whole collect their credit card. Don't give them a free trial and then ask for them to sign up, collect the credit card first. Right, you have much better conversion at the end. Well, I, with that. Plugio doesn't work that way. Plugio, you get you can get in for free. Or, uh, so no, and you I'm, used to do that, right? I, I I did that, but I moved away from it. Really? How come? 
Well, because I wanted to get some kind of viral effect. So I, I, wa- I wanted to make it completely frictionless for you to get in and start using it. All, all, I'm, all, all I'm saying is, is that when you do sign up for an account, that it's basically a 60 day money back. So I, I don't force you to use the credit card. I don't think. Okay. Well, so the problem, the problem here is I'm not really sure what just add content does. Right. So you're asking for my credit card, but I can't really see what it does. I get, it seems like you'd need like a really in-depth tour of the site if you're not going to allow me to use it for free. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that was, that was my criticism. Well, that's the reason why with Plugio, I've got like one click sign up and then you're in, you're using the product, you're adding your Twitter account. Yeah. You're totally yeah. in there because otherwise so that people can really experience it. And then every single page that you go on, I've got a video that basically explains that area of the system. And, um, when you, you know, when you come back to it, the features kind of gradually close down over a week. And so then it's kind of grad, it gradually starts nagging you, you know, mm-hmm. and then, so you've kind of, you've had pretty good usage of it out of a week. And now it's saying, okay, we want you to become a premium customer. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, yeah. So that's, those are, I think that's pretty much all I have to say on that, but actually I have a couple of small things I want to bring up. Let's just, I'm going to just jam these in here. Sure. They were, they're, I don't want to have these in notes for next week. Um, right. So uh, I don't know if you've seen that, you've heard of the, the ASM JS or ASM.js? Yeah. I saw something about a, a commercial game being released. Or something. Yeah. It was a first 3d commercial game. Um, and uh, it's amazing. Did you watch the video? No. Oh, it looked amazing. And so basically what it does is it takes compile, uh, C or C++ and compiles it down, um, uses the LLVM, which creates this sort of, uh, I don't know, and then the, uh, the ECMAScript and JS thing. And it basically ends up creating this sort of, um, they call it like this very minimal JavaScript set that doesn't have arrays or object, or doesn't have objects or strings or anything like that. It's very, basically just numbers. And it's up to about, about 50%, half the speed of C or C++, hmm. which means that you can write some serious games. So it uses WebGL, and you can have you know, WebSockets and WebAudio. So this stuff is really... Does that look good? I think it's going to be a big deal. I think um, right. I think over the next two, three years, you'll start seeing a, a lot of these games will be using WebGL or whatever through the browser, and you're not going to be downloading and trying to install... Kerbal Spacecraft or Minecraft. It's just going to be in the browser. Because this is just a total pain in the ass. Well, actually, so you're talking about investing, right, in something that's going to take off. So if you could build fully blown games in ASM.js and just make them available and sell them and just have your kind of DRM and sales system right there, it could be a whole new games revenue model. So kind of like like the Steam platform, but through the web. And it's just for web-based games. Yep. Which, 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 Which would work on, you know, mobile devices because it's obviously they're, it's going to be plugged yeah, in. Yeah. Well, they were showing the video Pete guy, uh, you know, the guys were playing on tablets and, yeah. and on their uh, iPhone, the same 3d video game. That's, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. This other, uh, this website account called best Medicare price. And the guy's a map of medical price, which is exactly the business plan I suggested. Remember we were talking about like about two or three months ago, we were talking about how different the prices were for this one, well, this one there, hospital. Was it was like, the one hospital, right? And you okay. and you were saying, well, that, that could be a full service. Yeah. So if you had like kind of like a, a Yelp or something like that type of app on your phone, rather than saying like, you know, how good the service is, but says, okay, here are all the hospitals in my area based on my location. And here, so if it's like, 
I just got in a car wreck and broke my arm and I have a head trauma. <laughs> you know, and your, and your wife's in there going, where should we go? Well, if we go across the street, it's going to cost you $47,000. But if we drive an extra five minutes, it's going to cost you 7000 Well, one of the things, I mean, I, did you read the comments about that? I didn't. So one of the one of the very salient comments on Hacker News was it, it would be really difficult to do that because even the medical companies themselves don't know what the pricing is. They make it up as they go along kind of thing. Like... You know, if you stay in a room, then they charge you, you know, five and a half thousand for that one night. If you use this thing, then they charge you another twelve hundred. Right. So, like, how would you truly be able to find out what the actual prices were right. of certain things? I mean, maybe for a specific procedure, like mm-hmm. a knee knee surgery or something. Right, right. But there's a lot where it would be pretty difficult to do. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I think that's pretty cool. I I, I still think that could be a pretty good. Um, I think I think hospitals will hate it because it starts commoditizing which well, should course. be commoditized but that's really what you want you want to bring price visibility down so you create a real fair market because it really isn't a market you yeah. get in you have no idea what things are going to cost and then you just get handed this exactly. unbelievable bill so i you know i think that i think the future is going to be that's that's going to having a price competitive marketplace is going to be a big deal mm. as and uh so new tv show Futurescape with James Woods. Oh, is it? No, I haven't. So it's kind of like Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman. So basically it's like an hour-long show. It's like a science channel or Discovery Channel or something. And um, I think it's actually on the same network now I think about it. um, Because I think I saw when I was watching there was ads for the wormhole. Um, But it's like, you know, know, science. It's like what's happening with science and what that means for the future. And like the last one was on, you know, essentially robots and like, you know, there were these guys at Stanford are working on this thing. It's a, a neurogrid, which is this, it's like a, just basically the size of a computer board and has a, it can simulate a million neurons mm. on, with five watts of power. Wow. And it uses analog computing as opposed to um, digital computing. So, and it just, and like the, instead of trying to have build a digital computer and then simulate neurons or something in software, it just, it builds these, uh, the circuits are essentially behaving like neurons and they connect to each other with synapses or whatever. Well, that's super cool. That is very cool. I, I have a, sh- a show to throw right back at you that's totally related. Mm. Almost human. Yeah, you know, I saw some previews from that. Is that any good? It's actually surprisingly good. You know, it's by the same people that make Fringe. Oh, that's a good sign. They made a pretty good show. It's surprisingly good. Like each episode, like it, it sounds just kind of lame, you know, like... To a well, you know, the, the guy played Bones in Star Trek, and he's a good actor, I thought. Yeah, no, he is good. He is good. But but what's interesting about it is every episode is like a mini movie. Like, really? it's really good. Like, they have one that's basically kind of like Die Hard. You know, one episode. Well, don't give anything away. I'm just, I, so I'm just you saying. You do that all the time. I think what they've done, I think what they've done is they've said, look, let's choose the best films that were ever made, right? Let's kind of reframe it and make each episode like that this will be Blade Runner this will yeah, be Terminator yeah because it's really it, it really <laughs> is good like that yeah <laughs> this will be E.T. well um alright well I'm gonna put that on my list I, I was kind of thinking about that I'm looking for stuff to watch I'm trying to I need another good show but I'm real, Sandy and I are, are blowing through Blacklist oh yeah the problem, I'm liking but it but what, what, what platform are you watching it on uh, we just uh, watched we just DVR it oh okay yeah, I don't have that I've only got Hulu and the problem with Hulu is that in for certain things depending on the provider like they'll only show you the last four episodes. So I don't want to watch it because there's about three episodes missing. Oh, you know, which is really irritating. No, you don't want to do that because it's, it's, it's builds on itself. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
I like the way that uh, each episode is the name of like the num- you know the number of someone who's like the, on the blacklist. Oh, I didn't know this. I didn't you didn't know notice that. that? No. Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Interesting. Yeah. Well, he um, James Spader is just an unbelievable job. Yeah, you're um, saying. I think it's so. I, I I'd recommend Blacklist. I would say it's a for a TV show, it's a solid B. For network, it's like an A minus. Right. right. I mean, but it, it it's not as good as like a, you know, Breaking Bad or Walking Dead or something. But I mean, it's it's good. It's it's entertaining. Did you watch The Wrong Man's? Have I haven't did, yet. No. Okay. So, yeah, that is so one of our listeners yeah. suggested Wrong Man's. And what's the other one? I, I, I don't have it off the well, top. Well, that's okay. We don't have to. You don't have to. But The Wrong Man's is uh, just, it's really funny. If you like something like Hot Fuzz or. No, or, or was Shaun of the Dead? Shaun of the Dead. That if you like hilarious. those kind of movies. Like it's really good. It's only a six six part series, but it's very well done. Really right. good. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Oh, so I was watching. I, I saw that the, the thing about the neural grid on Jane, on Futurescape, and and they and so I, I was trying to tell Colby about it, and I was looking up on the web, and I was trying to like I wanted to show him because that was super cool. And he go and then and the first thing we came up a uh, show that we came up that talked about was a um you know I just looked up on like a a video search was this webs uh, this video podcast called this week in engineering hmm. or twee i guess or twy or whatever <laughs> and they they just go over a bunch of different the coolest things going in engineering this week oh nice you know which and they were cool i mean neural grid was one of them of course Col- you know colby you know he likes engineering more than i do so he was like yeah great <laughs> that was cool so this week in engineering is kind of um it's a new po- a new podcast to listen to yeah i would i would definitely so let's see let me just see i want to just see, make sure oh and here google cat google is now caching email images you see that yeah, I did see that. So that's actually going to be good for the most part because a, um, well, you know, now you're going to have to say should I display images or not. It's just going to show them. You know him, but there was one. I guess it was like Mailjet or something, which is one of these sort of marketing email providers or whatever, and they were talking about what, what's going to work and what's not, and they said that they'll still be able to tell when it's been opened. They just won't be able to tell how many times it's been opened. Yeah, and or like whether it was. You know, for because like, was it a Chrome browser or IE or you know whatever? But the reality is that people will probably tend to look at look at the ad more closely because it'll actually be a no. It's good. Image. It's good. So that was a pretty clever idea from them. All right. I so think- that's it. Oh, and the last thing, when we finish off with, uh, I'll finish off with one mention of the letters from the dark side. Okay. So the uh, the six thousand page report on CIA torture has now been suppressed for a year. So they spent, um, I think it was $40 million on the report. Wow. And I mean, even like all, I mean, even <coughs> like Biden and a bunch of senators, everyone else is trying to push for this thing to be out there, you know, you know, and this is all part of the, the most transparent presidency in history, <coughs> you know, but they're, they're pushing it down. But I guess there's obviously there was a lot of really bad things going on. So the only way you, uh, what's the first way, the first step to, uh, Solving a problem is admitting you have a problem, acknowledging oh, yeah. you have a problem, look at the problem. Like you have to look and see what did we do as a nation. So we can't even do that for a year. We can't even like admit to ourselves. That well, probably we in a year's time, they'll just people. extend it for another year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the point of uh, extending for a year unless they're going to try and. Well, then, then they'll to, release it, but it will be redacted. They redact a ton of it yeah. and whatever. And, you know, I mean, we, God forbid anyone take any blame. <laughs> for anything you know anyone high up anyway but uh i think that's it so yeah anyway i gotta go i gotta get back and get to the get to the gym 
All right, so I said it's a wrap. We're out. <laughs>